Over the Wall podcast coming at you. Tons of football to talk about. Tons of LSU football to talk about. When you talk about a one and two start from a team who won a national championship in 2019, less than a year later, they've now lost to Missouri and Mississippi State. Two bottom feeder teams in the SEC. The defense is just absolutely horrendous. You know, people are talking about firing Bo Pelini. We'll hit on all those fronts. It'll be very interesting. We'll do our SEC top 14 teams. Lots of action going on in the SEC. Lots of good storylines to talk about. And then we'll do our NFL top 10 along with some headlines. We'll touch on a little bit of Saints and where they're at going forward. Let's do it. Here we go. Let's touch base on the past two weeks when we talk about LSU. And we'll hit on the Saints as well, but the hurricane going on. We hadn't really hit a podcast within that time frame to kind of touch base on Vanderbilt. And now that we have the Missouri um, outing, we'll hit on that as well. So LSU goes to Nashville, torches Vanderbilt, goes to show you how bad Vanderbilt is as a football team after you've seen what LSU just did this weekend. They did what they had to do, and it gave an opportunity to Miles Brennan, a little pressure off him, and he's been playing really well the past couple weeks. You saw John Emery had a really big game, and that's who LSU needs to emerge. And like I said, I'm trying to focus on the Vanderbilt game, and then we'll shift to Missouri, which there's a lot to talk about there. LSU's defense played a lot better in that specific game. It was a get-right game for LSU. They looked really good, and in all aspects of the game, in my opinion, they ran the ball well. Brennan looked really good. The defense played well. Not a ton to talk about right there. It's what I expected, right? It's what everybody expected is LSU to go out there against a poor opponent and dominate them, and they did that. Now, like I said, there's not much to talk about there uh, in that perspective. Let's shift to Missouri, which there is a ton to talk about now. The excuse of moving the game to Columbia because of the hurricane is not an excuse. You wanted to play that game. And once again, in this COVID era, there's only going to be 25,000 fans in an entire stadium. And then now you go to Missouri, it's pretty much the same amount. I think they had maybe 11,000, 12,000. It's not a difference maker. Maybe you could you could argue travel could be an issue, whatever. But that's that had nothing to do with the outcome of the game. In college football, you're paying coaches. You're not paying players. That is another topic for another day. Coaches are getting paid a premium, especially at LSU. And you just paid Bo Pelini a lot of money to be your defensive coordinator, who that was Ed Orgeron's main hire. Were there any other people that he interviewed? Not sure. But that was your guy. And he has been abysmal through the past three weeks. Vanderbilt was okay, but when you look at Mississippi State, let's hit that. You gave up a career day to Mississippi State. We've talked about that several weeks ago. Mississippi State, and and I said it earlier in the year, this is one of my, my, my big predictions, right? And in week one, it looked a little bad. It made me look stupid almost, was that I didn't believe Mike Leach was going to take, <clears throat> take the SEC by storm. I thought he was just a big name. I thought there would be, you know, glimpses like LSU where, you know, he would look great but then come back down to earth. He's not a great recruiter. He's not a good motivator. And I think you need to be those two things in the SEC. That can work in the middle of nowhere, Washington State, in the middle of nowhere, you know, Texas Tech, Lubbock. But in the SEC, it's different. Now, in week one, he torched you, embarrassed you. And that was a tough one to swallow. Now look at it. Mississippi State 
lost to Arkansas, who hadn't won an SEC football game in three years. Okay, 21 to 14. They didn't torch Arkansas. Arkansas. That is not a good football program. Okay. Then you look at last Saturday. 21 to 2. They lost to Kentucky. <laughs> they didn't score an offensive touchdown. But yet, your quarterback puts up 600-plus passing yards on LSU, the defending national champion. Guys, that is embarrassing. What the hell are they doing? That just can't happen. I mean, obviously, you can't fire Bo Pelini in year one. That is a terrible look for Coach O, and that was his guy. And I know what you're going to say, Mad Canada in 2017, one-year fire. But that wasn't necessarily Coach O's guy. I think Coach O felt pressure just to hurry up and go hire a big name because he said that, you know, in his quote unquote binder that he wanted to hire a big name. And I think he, he ran with it. This was his guy. Were there any other people he interviewed? We don't know. But that was his handpicked guy. He's not just going to pull the plug on him yet. Now, will he put pressure on him? Absolutely. I don't think he fires him after one year. Do I think it gets better? Can't get any worse. And the reason I keep saying it's coaching, it's not, it's in, I know what most some people might say, well, you lost, you know, X amount of guys from last year. Great. But LSU recruits at a very high level. So you should not be losing. If you were getting torched by Alabama yesterday or Florida, you know, or Georgia, I'd be like, OK, I'll give it. I'll, I'll give them a pass. Guys, Mississippi State and Missouri, those are two bottom feeder teams in the SEC. Missouri is a bad football team. Alabama crushed them rightfully so, but Tennessee last week destroyed them 35 to 12, embarrassed them. And then defending national champion gets their ears boxed in, you know, defensively by them. That by a, a, a backup quarterback who just was inserted into the lineup this week, that is flat out embarrassing, you know, from your program standpoint. So where does LSU go from here? Because when you look at a schedule, especially this year with a 10 game schedule in, a, in all SEC opponents, you, you try to predict the schedule when you look at the season, right? And when you look at it and say, oh, Mississippi State win, new coach, that's going to be a win. You know, Missouri, new coach, and they're not good, win. You just lost those two games. You're now one and two. You think you're going to beat Alabama? You think you're going to beat Florida, A&M, Auburn? No, you're not. You're going to lose those games. LSU is, is going to have a losing record this year. You know, and I'm, I'm a very optimistic person. They're not, there is no way in hell they're being Alabama. This is not going to happen. They are not going to beat Florida next week, especially Florida coming after like off of a loss. Florida can put up some points. They're they're going to take an L on that one. It's on the road where Florida is going to put more fans in the stands, you know, with the state opening up again. Then you have, you know, A&M who just beat Florida in a big win. That's probably probably an L. Then you have Auburn, you know, 50-50, but Auburn's a better football team than LSU right now. Hell, you even have to play South Carolina who – I mean, I don't know. They just beat the shit out of Vanderbilt. I mean, so did you. So they, they might be on the same playing field as you. Ole Miss is looking pretty damn good with Lane Kiffin. Arkansas, wow, they're they're competing now. This is not going to be a good year. And, I, you know, I kept saying that LSU was about a year or two away from being that, that upper echelon program like a Clemson or a Georgia, Ohio State, Oklahoma, you know, you name them where it doesn't matter year in and year out who they lose, that they could just stockpile again, get recruits in there, and, you know, 
that's the same team year in and year out that will compete at a very high level and compete to get into the playoff. LSU is not even remotely close right there. I think it's embarrassing. It truly, truly is. And, you know, from Coach O's standpoint, you know, fans around here love him. He's a Louisiana native, national championship. But fans around here want to win. Now, they're not completely irrational, all right? But I can tell you, if you go three and seven, four and six this year, which they probably will, you know, ears are going to start to, you know, pin up a little bit. And if next year you're seeing the same thing, it's not going to be good. People at LSU, and this is what makes a good football program, they're not just going to rest on their laurels and say, oh, you know, well, we want a champion. It's it's year 2024, but, you know, in 2019, we want a championship, so we're fine with that. No, no, no. LSU wants to win on a consistent basis. Now, it doesn't mean you have to win a championship every year. We've gone over that time and time again. It means that you have to be at a top 10 level, at least competitive, because that's what your program is. You are a top 10 program when you look at facilities, infrastructure, and location in Louisiana, in a rich talent state, also you know nearby Houston, Texas, and you have the whole you know southeastern part of the country to recruit. You're a top five to a top 10 program every year, period. I'll give you a break this year to a certain extent. Now, you should not be losing to Missouri. You should not be losing to Mississippi State. Those are not good football teams. They are not. But you can give them a pass to a certain extent. You can argue, you know, COVID and, and you know, these restrictions placed upon the teams and, you know, no, uh, you know, spring practices, you know, abbreviated offseason, whatever. Everybody else had to play with it. Missouri and Mississippi State had to do it as well, and they beat the shit out of you. But if you want to argue that, okay. If you want to argue that, you know, uh, Jamar Chase, Tyler Shelvin, Kerry Vincent, opt-outs, okay. But they have to start getting better. They just do. I mean, that, let's now touch on the Missouri game. I was trying to give you a big picture. Missouri game in particular, defensively, obviously, it's why they lost the game. There were guys just streaking down the field wide open. Like, how does that even happen? I mean, the quarterback, I don't even know how good he is. I mean, I can throw to guys that are, you know, 20 yards wide open. Everything was working for Missouri. They just, it was such a, a, a poor outing defensively for LSU that something has to change. And I, I, you can't fire Bo Pelini in, you know, game three. He's not going to get fired. Let's just hope it gets better. LSU has playmakers. They have guys. You know, Derek Stingley is a, is going to – in two years, he'll be a top-five pick. Ali Gay is going to be a first-rounder. You know, we've heard about Jabril Cox being this superstar. You know, Damone Clark, they gave him number 18 because his leadership and his play. You know, Jacoby Stevens is a possible first-rounder. I mean, you have guys that can play. It's not a, a lack of dudes out there. You have big-time athletes. It's not that at all. So they have to, to get on the same page. Something has to happen. And it's a coach, it's a coaching thing. It's not the players. It's it's a coaching thing. For you to get that, you know, dismantled, it's coaching, period. And I don't know how much more you can get into it. That just can't happen. And then when you look at the offensive side of the ball, this is what everybody goes to. And and they're not, not people talking about it negatively, but people go to this because they believe. You know, the quarterback, just like last year, Joe Burrow carried him. And Brennan is playing well. But people love to talk about Brennan. Brennan's doing fine. And it's exactly what I expected. 
He's not going to be, you know, jaw-dropping, making these, uh, you know, phenomenal plays. He's actually doing pretty damn good, and it's what I expected. I kept saying he's a Matt Flynn-type guy. You know, best thing for, for Miles Brennan would be backup quarterback in the NFL. That's his ceiling, in my opinion. He could be a damn good college quarterback for you. He can't. Now, I don't like his athletic ability, which is not, you know, very much, but he's doing what you know, we expected. He's in LSU has put up in Mississippi State 34, then 41, then 41 points right here in, in these three weeks of football. He's fine. He's not the reason you're losing. So don't try to hit me with, well, he didn't make this play here, he didn't make this play there. No, no. If you want to nitpick offensively, it's this is that I think LSU is getting into this situation. Because they're blinded by a once-in-a-lifetime football player in Joe Burrow where they think the quarterback can just solely carry them, and he can't. They have to have they have to use the run game. You have to try to go under center. And because you're trying to run the football with a shotgun, for me personally, and I'm not an X and no guy, I'm not, but if you're going to do that, I feel like your quarterback has to be a threat athletically. To pull it, tuck it, and run. He is not at all. I'd like to see them go under center more. Play action. I think that would help him out a lot. Take a little pressure off him. But they are not doing that. And I, once again, when you talk about LSU from that standpoint, like, the offense is not their problem. That's my only thing is like they have to try to establish a line of scrimmage, run the football more, and, you know, Try to break away from this. Let's let Miles Brennan be the you know the sole reason this offense you know works. I think he's fine, but Joe Burrow is a once in a lifetime player. He's Peyton Manning esque in that cerebral type quarterback who can just control the game. Period. You will never see another Joe Burrow. And so I feel like under center, establish line of scrimmage, give me some play action, run the football more. You know. Just be more physical. And that's who LSU's been for a long time. I'm fine with, you know, shotgun, letting Brennan throw, but you have to be able to establish the line of scrimmage at times. You saw in the goal line, it was just, you know, finesse, finesse, finesse. And that could be a problem going forward when you look at LSU. So, you know, we hit on offense and defense. Once again, my big takeaway is, you know, people talk about Miles Brennan. He is not the reason LSU's losing. He's, he's playing really well. When you put up that much points, and he's made some good throws. They have offensive talent. Terrace Marshall is starting to emerge as a possible first rounder. I like him a lot. You have guys on the outside. You know, Eric Gilbert looked really good in that first half until he got banged up. But he is going, if he stays healthy this year, he's a superstar, period. Butte is going to start emerging, right? And you need some other guys. You start to see some of these other guys, like, you know, Jare Jenkins and Trey Palmer, in my opinion, are they ready yet? I've seen them have drops. I think they need to implement John Emery to the game, you know, more and more and more. He's a playmaker, but their offense is going to be fine. They will be. Now they need to get better, you know, in goal line situations and red zone situations. And that's what people said Linehan's, you know, expertise was going to be. Um, and I think that they will get better. They will. Because Brennan's a really good quarterback. They have the talent. The defense is the question moving forward. So, Let's finish off, you know, what do we see? Next week, they go to Florida. They're going to get torched, period. Like, I don't know how you're going to fix it when you just lost to Missouri, who's the one of the, you know, if they have 14 teams in the SEC, I would say Vanderbilt's 14, Missouri's 13. Um, 
and then you go to Florida coming off of a loss. Dan Mullen has not – I'm not going to say he's owned Coach O, but he, Coach O, he doesn't, you know, put up a big worry in, uh, you know, Dan Mullen's mind, in my opinion, because when you look at 2017 LSU goes to Mississippi State, they, you know, blow the doors off LSU. In 18, Mullen's first year at Florida, they beat LSU. And then even last year, you know, Florida put the points down. I, I would say that was LSU's toughest game was Dan Mullen in Florida. Florida's going to win that game, period. Like, unless a miracle happens, LSU is not winning that football game. And they're going to put up a shit ton of points. And once again, we'll be having that conversation again next week about, you know, Polini, you know, fire him. He's terrible. You know, it, it's what do they do after that? You know, I have to check the schedule, but I think you might have South Carolina after that. And then, like, you know, things will calm down. Then you want to start to see where they are. Like, they're losing to Florida. They're losing to Bama. Not only are they going to lose those teams, they'll get embarrassed by them. And, you know, the games I've been saying is how do you judge LSU this year? It's going to be A&M and Auburn. Look, at this point, I think it's just Auburn. A&M starting to look better. They have, a you know, a veteran quarterback. He made some plays yesterday. They're losing to A&M. They're going to travel to A&M. They're going to lose that game. You know, but it's it's going forward. What do they look like? I think they're going to lose those four games I speak of. And it's going to be, you know, can they beat South Carolina? Can they beat Ole Miss? You know, Arkansas is looking better. Can they beat them? That's the big question going forward. I see this team winning about three more games. I think they'll beat, you know, Ole Miss, Arkansas, and South Carolina, but very closely. It will not be blowouts. And I think you're looking at, you know, a four and six year this year. You know, how do they rebound? Really look at the progression of LSU. Do they get better as the year goes on? If they start to get better, even if they go four and six, but if they start to get better defensively, you know, Brennan, you can start to see, you know, just improvements, even though I think he's playing well, then you can have some optimism going forward. But but as of right now, it, it just looks really bleak. We do it every week. SEC top 14. Let's start up number 14. Let's go Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt, in my opinion, is by far the worst team in the SEC. I don't think it's close when you look at the way LSU was able to dominate them. And LSU has been bad this year. LSU has been I wouldn't say dominated, but but beaten up pretty good against two bad football teams in Mississippi State and Missouri, and LSU handled them. A&M, uh, they played A&M first week. Looked decent. Maybe you thought there was something there. Not much. They just got crushed by South Carolina, who I don't think is a good football team either. Vanderbilt at 14. At 13, you're fighting LSU Tigers. They cannot stop a nosebleed right now. When you talk about Mississippi State and Missouri, those are not good football teams, and they, you know, from the stat sheet perspective, they dominated you. LSU even won the turnover turnover battles in those games and still lost those football games while scoring 34 and 41 points. Their defense is atrocious, and there are a lot of L's in their future. At number 12, Missouri. Missouri is not good either. I mean, really, they had a, they had a field day against LSU's defense, but, but this isn't a very good football team. They get crushed by Bama, which I'll give them a break on that. Um, and then week two, Tennessee, you know, beat the doors off of them. And, and I don't think Tennessee's amazing, but it wasn't even a contest. And then, you know, they go play the defending national champions and, you know, you know run up and down the field against them. But I, I still don't think this is a very good football team. Missouri at 12 and then South Carolina at 11. South Carolina's interesting. Week one, they, they play Tennessee really well. I, yeah, they get a the win against Vanderbilt. We talked about how bad Vanderbilt is right now. You know, they're interesting. They're I I believe South Carolina just is what it is what it is with South Carolina. They're a five hundred football team. They'll have weeks where they look good and then weeks where they come back down to earth. 
Nothing special there to talk about. The question will be moving forward is do they keep Muschamp at the head coach? Does this um, COVID-stricken offseason with no fans and maybe, you know, a loss of revenue, you know, change their minds as far as, you know, firing Muschamp? That's going to be the big interesting talking point moving forward. But I have South Carolina at 11. And Mississippi State, I've been saying it. I'm just going to call myself right on this one is that I said before the season, Mike Leach, is okay. He's a good football coach, but he's the most overrated football coach in the country in terms of what people think he is. He has never won a division championship, much less a conference championship in the Big 12 and the Pac-12, but everybody loves him. Maybe it's because of the character he has. Um, and after week one, you almost had to eat it, right? Everybody thought he was going to take the SEC by storm, but it's really, that was on the LSU, the LSU defense, how bad they were and how bad they are. Mike Leach, the past two weeks, has been handled by Arkansas and Kentucky. 14 points against Arkansas, two points. They didn't even score an offensive touchdown against Kentucky. Okay, he's fine. They'll win games. They'll be a 500 team. Hell, if he gets the right quarterback, you never know. They could be 8-4, and four, but that's all they will ever be. They will never compete for championships. He's not a good recruiter, and I don't think his personality will work in the SEC. You have to be lively, and you have to be effective, and that's not who he is. So Mike Leach, back down to earth. That's why I have Mississippi State at number 10. At number 9, Arkansas. It seems like Sam Pittman's got a good thing going right now in Arkansas. And like I said, two weeks ago, they had their first SEC win in like three years when they beat Mississippi State on the road. And they almost had Auburn. I mean, and they probably should have if it wasn't for a bad call you know, late in the game. They could have won that game. I mean, they have things turned around. Felipe Franks looks to be pretty good. Obviously, I keep saying there's a ceiling with Arkansas just because, like, where they're located. I don't think they're in a, a, a talent-rich state, and that's going to kind of, like, you know, be a barrier for them. But I think they could be a good football program. And it seems like Pittman's got it, you know, going in the right direction. They're interested in moving forward. And, and I'd like to see, you know, when they play LSU late in the year, how that goes, um, because LSU's trending downwards, and Arkansas is a program that's trending upwards right now. So I have Arkansas at number nine. At number eight, Kentucky. Kentucky is solid. You know, Stoops, he runs a really good program. He has a good defense. They look pretty good against in week uh, one against Auburn. Their offense will always be a problem for me. I don't think their offense is great now. They put up some points against Ole Miss. Ole Miss's defense is just historically bad. You know, I would put them up there with LSU. It's almost like Swiss cheese. But, you know, solid program. And, and that's the furthest, I think, that Kentucky can go as a football program. You know, a regular, you know, twelve game schedule. They're eight and four. You know, seven and five. And I think that's all they'll ever be. And like I keep saying, it's where they're located. They're not in a talent rich state, and you're competing against other talent rich states. It would just be tough to to overcome that and, and climb to a ten win program who could win the SEC. That's not who they are. But but Stoops run a really good program, really good defense. And they're they're solid right now, but I have them at number eight. And number seven, Ole Miss. And this is something else I, I hit on before the season was that when everybody was loving Mike Leach and, you know, not necessarily uh, crapping on Kiffin, but not talking about him enough. Kiffin was the better hire. Kiffin is going to work in the SEC. He's used to SEC. He's familiar. We've seen, you know, he coached at USC and, you know, mixed opinions. It wasn't great, but they had restrictions. His one year at Tennessee was interesting. I didn't think they were bad. In FAU, he had success. He turned that program over really quickly. They're going to win games. Once again, will they win championships? No, probably not. It's tough to win at Ole Miss when you have to overcome Auburn, LSU, Alabama, 
A&M, you know, Georgia, Florida, those are tough, tough programs. I don't know if Ole Miss can, can elevate to that level, but he's a recruiter. He's a great offensive mind in today's, you know, college football. And you can see they're putting up points, they're looking good, and they're getting better each week. And Matt Corral, quarterback, is putting up numbers, and they are explosive. You know, the game last night, they lose 63-48 to uh, Bama, but they weren't scared at all. I mean, it was up and down the field, up and down the field against Alabama. And so that's things that LSU hadn't done in the past at all. So Ole Miss trending in the right direction. I think Lane Kiff is a damn good coach, and they're only going to go up from here. Ole Miss at seven. Auburn at six. Auburn's just one of those head scratchers. You don't know what to do with them. They get the win uh, week one against Kentucky, but then get blown out blown out against Georgia, then come back this week and win a very, very close game against Arkansas, which they could have lost. They're just head scratching. I've gotten to the point where I don't think Bo Nix is very talented. Um, I think he's a good athlete, but it just it just doesn't seem to put it together. You know, he doesn't he's not eye popping to me. I think they have a good roster. I think they recruit well, and I think they're decently coached. So that's why I think at number six is, is right about right about the, the the spot they should be at, because like I said, they're very you know unpredictable. And I think at this point they are what they are with with Malzahn. And, and if you're an Auburn fan or a booster or athletic director, you just have to face the reality. That's what you are. You're right in this level that I'm talking about, right on the edge of top five. You know, I have them at six. That's what you're going to be moving forward. You're never going to overtake Alabama with Saban there. You're just not that same level of program. Now, you're going to recruit well. You're going to have good football players. And on a week-to-week basis, you'll have a chance to compete every week. doesn't mean you're going to win, but you're going to be competitive. But national championship level, once every you know five to eight years possibly, but you'll never be Georgia you know, or Bama in terms of just every year competing for a title. So I have Auburn at six. At number five, Tennessee. Tennessee is starting to improve. Now, a lot of people thought they'd go to Georgia this week and have a chance to win. I didn't because they're not there yet. They need more recruiting classes, and they just do not have the talent to match up against Georgia. Georgia is really good. They have a very – Georgia is a talent-rich state, and they have – you know they've been recruiting really well the past couple of years on the Kirby Smart. They're a good football team. And so you saw they lost 44-21. They were overmatched. That's who they are right now. I have them at five because I, I don't think the, I don't think the SEC is extremely top heavy. You know, after I'd say the first two teams, it's like you can really mix and match a lot. And I think Tennessee is fine. I think they're really well coached. I think they're moving in the right direction. Once again, it's the same topic, and I'll say it every week. What's the upside with their football program? Because I don't think they're in a talent rich state. And when you're not, you know, if you're not in the state of you know Georgia, Florida, you know. I would say Alabama and Louisiana and Texas, then then you're going you're gonna to have a tough time recruiting against the big boys because you're going to have to go in Georgia and you're going to have to go in Florida and sometimes Louisiana and Texas to get those guys. And, and can you pull a kid, you know, a, a five-star kid you know, from, let's say, Louisiana who has been a, a Tiger fan his whole life, can you be able to recruit you know, that kid to go to your program? That's going to be a tough job for Pruitt. Now, I think they're going in the right direction, but I, I'd say they're like Auburn as well. They're going to, their hope, in my opinion, is to be competitive week in and week out. A, a solid program who can recruit on a top 10, top 15 level. And you know, once every eight years, you get the right quarterback, everything falls right for you, you have a chance to get into the playoff. That That's what I see the ceiling for a team like Tennessee. I have them at number five. At number four, Florida. This was shocking. They they lose in College Station to Texas A&M. Um, 
because I, I A&M is just it's a mystery to me like I they played extremely well this Saturday and got the win at home and I don't know how much of a crowd factor that can be just with you know minimized capacity I thought they were you know, trending in a great direction you know Trask was almost in the you know he he looked to me where he could have been this burrow like figure this year in college football where he emerges as this Heisman candidate in Florida can go to the SC championship and make waves but they they drop a game in in the Texas A&M and that's not obviously that's not what we seen with LSU last year and Joe Burrow. So I think Trask is really really good. I think Mullen elevates his quarterbacks to a, a, a certain level. And I'm not going to say if you're a Dan Mullen quarterback, you won't be successful in the NFL because I think Dak Prescott has had some success. You know, Alex Smith to that that point too. But I think Trask will be a very solid college quarterback for you. Do I think, and this is kind of getting off topic, but do I think he's going to be some superstar NFL quarterback because he's putting up good numbers right now? Probably not. Um, I've been saying they lost a ton of guys on defense from last year. So I didn't think their defense would be dynamic. I knew their offense would be Kyle Pitts is the best tight end in college football, probably. And he is going to be a stud at the next level. They play LSU next week. I think they're going to beat the doors off LSU. I think they'll score at will and they'll get back on track out of Florida at number four. At number three, Texas A&M. Now I'll put them at number three because they beat Florida. Now I think if they play next week and, you know, if they played in games, I'd probably have Florida winning that game. So it's really tit for tat right there. I have them at three because they won the game. But once again, like I, Texas A&M is just an interesting case study. They look bad week one against Vanderbilt. And then week two, they get their doors blown off by Bama, which is Bama. Bama is just really, really good this year. Um, and then they, they get a big win, probably the biggest win in Jimbo's, you know, the Jimbo era. You could argue the LSU game in, in uh, you know, seven overtimes. But I think this is very, very big for him and the momentum of the program this year, beating Florida, who was a top five football team. And they get this win, and what's the trajectory of their team? That's going to be interesting to see. Uh, I, I could see them, you know, because they played Bama, they they lost that game, and I I consider this an L. So I mean, could they go nine and one? It's very possible. Auburn, LSU are not you know great this year, and I believe they might have Tennessee, but they they'll probably be favored to win that football game. So interesting to see what we see from Texas A&M moving forward. I personally think they'll drop a game where you're not expecting. But I think they're an eight and two football team going forward this year. And number two, Georgia. See, people kept sleeping on Georgia. I think because of Jamie Newman opt out, you know, who I mean, were we really sold on him? Uh, we've never, you know, he played at Wake Forest. He never really watched him. Was he great? We don't know. You know, they have Stetson Bennett right now, who I think is average. But the way Georgia has recruited, and you know, they're they're almost old school Bama in the aspect. They play really good defense. They run the ball well. And they don't need their quarterback to be a superstar. They don't need him to be Burrow. They just need him to be somewhat of a game manager, make some plays here and there, and they are, they're going to be successful. And that's what you're seeing. They're very talented on defense. They have talent on offense with Pickens, Amir White, and Bennett's making enough plays. It's going to be interesting to see moving forward. Do they you know, give JT Daniels you know, a couple series here and there? Can he eventually take over for Bennett? I don't know, but, but talent-wise, I love them. And I think – you know, they're, they actually play Bama next week in Bama. That's going to be an amazing game because, like I said, people kept sleeping on Georgia because, you know, they saw Florida and the, the points Florida was putting up, and, and it's sexy and all this. Georgia is just rock solid, and that game next week is going to be a really, really good one. So let's jump to our number one team. It's obvious it's not even close. Alabama's the best team in the SEC by far. I said, you know, in the offseason that people were sleeping on Mac Jones. I think he's a really good quarterback. You know, is he Tua? You know, is he Burrow where he's going to be, you know, some top draft pick? Maybe not. 
but he has weapons around him and he can distribute and they move the ball up and down the field. I think Sarkeesian is a story that a lot of people don't talk about. He has been an amazing offensive coordinator for them. They're putting up points. Now they, their defense got shredded, you know, last night against Ole Miss, but I don't know. Maybe that's some Lane Kiffin, you know, history with the, the program, being able to have that type of success. Plus I think Ole Miss has a good offense, but the defense will be fine. You know, Mac Jones is, is pretty damn good. Waddle, Smith, you know, the running backs they have with Harris, Robinson. I mean, they are loaded. They really are. And I think, you know, you could say they are the best team in college football, but but Clemson has been looking pretty damn good as well. And, and what, what do we see from Ohio State? That's going to be interesting as well. But, it, you know, if you told me, you know, right now, Clemson, Alabama, I mean, that's going to be a hell of a matchup. I, I, I honestly, I, and I have an opinion on a lot of things. I don't know where that one would go because I think those are two great football teams. I think Alabama is really, really good, and they're just going to continue to get better this year. NFL top 10. But before we get to it, let's see some big news. Let's start off with Dak Prescott. That was a horrendous injury. He had a compound fracture to his ankle. It was dislocated, have to have immediate surgery. You know, hope all goes well. I've seen something like that before. Actually, with Nick Fitzgerald, the college quarterback at Mississippi State, his teammate, um, he was able to come back fine a year later. So, you know, you hope everything goes right. But for me, the one thing I thought of was the contract situation in the offseason and him deciding to take the franchise tag. And I know people are kind of trying to victimize the situations, basically saying how the Cowboys kind of shit on him. But for him, a good-sized contract. I believe it was like $100 million guaranteed. Um, maybe, I think it was up to possibly $34 million per year. It was a really good contract. But he wanted to bet on himself and try to, you know, get up to $40 million, I believe. And can he still get that? Possibly, right? He's a quarterback. He's not a running back or a cornerback or a position where you need, you know, supreme athletic ability. He can bounce back from this and still be an effective quarterback. But for me, I'm just very curious to see how the offseason plays out for him. He has a, a great relationship with Jerry Jones and the ownership of the Dallas Cowboys. He's just been, you know, a complete role model for that franchise. Do they take care of him in the offseason? Does he take a lesser deal? Does he bet on himself again? Do they franchise him again? Does another team come in and offer him a big deal? I'm very curious to see what takes place. I mean, even if you want to hit home with this, the Saints will probably be looking for a quarterback possibly this offseason. Do the Saints take, you know, a chance on a guy like Dak Prescott, you know, a Louisiana guy? Maybe they do. Realistically, I think they're they're going to work something out with Dallas. But man, it, this is very intriguing just because of the contract situation. If he already had a contract set up, I, I wouldn't be as intrigued because he'll come back and I think he'll be fine. He'll be the same level of player. He's Lamar Jackson Jackson esque athletic, so I think he'll still be fine. But but man, that's it's a it's a terrible injury. I think he'll come back. You know to the player he is, but the contract situation is something to watch out for in the near future. All right, San Francisco 49ers bench Jimmy Garoppolo in the second half of their game against Miami, which they got destroyed. Now, the San Francisco 49ers are absolutely decimated with injuries, but Garoppolo and Shanahan, that relationship has been like tumultuous the past year. It's really weird because we was traded from New England. I believe that was in 2018, possibly. I mean, they caught fire and they won five straight, and this was a bad football team, and he really had them on a tear. Gets hurt the following year, comes back in, you know, 19, 
and they get to the Super Bowl, but then as we know, he didn't have a great postseason. So where does it where does he lie within the franchise? If they're gonna bench him right now, I mean this early on in the season, through four weeks, I mean that's very telling. And he could very well be on his way out. Now I don't know the contract specifics. I know he had a deal two years ago, but I think there is possible ways to get out of this contract. The San Francisco 49ers could be looking for a quarterback either in the draft or free agency. That's also intriguing. Falcons, I said it before the season. I knew it would happen. I know it happened this quick. They fired Dan Quinn. They fired the GM. I mean, they are just an absolute wreck. And they can literally have a 40-point lead. And I, I think they would still lose it. And so they make the switch. Not shocking to me. I believe there's more changes to come. Let's talk about another one. Bill O'Brien out in Houston. It's a weird situation. I think he lost the locker room personality-wise. There was clashes. I think him and J.J. Watt had a clash. And I think, as I've been saying in previous podcasts, this is a great situation for Deshaun Watson. Um, Bill O'Brien is more of an old-school type of guy, even though I do think he's a really good coach. I think it's just it got stale and it was time for him to go. And I think this will be really, really good for Deshaun Watson. He needs some. He needs a, a really innovative coach to bring the best out of him. I think Eric Bieniemy, the offensive coordinator for the Kansas City Chiefs, will probably be that guy. He'll get that job, and I think you're going to see the best out of Deshaun Watson from years to come. Las Vegas, the Raiders. It, it's it's their weird football team. You don't know what to expect from a week in and week out basis. You know they beat the Saints, and now they just beat the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't know who they are to be honest with you. And, you know, do we know if Gruden's a really good coach? I mean, he won a Super Bowl, yes. But there were a lot of eight and eight years in Tampa Bay. He's a, you know, a dynamic personality, a dynamic TV personality. You know, I don't know. They're they're such a tricky team. How good is Derek Carr? Do we know? I've seen him play like crap. Then I'm seeing him play really well against the Saints and the Chiefs. This is a strange football team. It really, really is. And finally, let's him hold who they lose Jacksonville week one. They, you know, get a little mini tear, win a couple games. You know, people are very positive on them. They lose to Cleveland. You know, I, I just think the Phillip Rivers, you know, signing is going to be to their detriment. I think they need a quarterback who can get them over the top. He's not it. He's, you know, way past his prime. And I think it's, it, it won't pay dividends for him. Now, let's jump to our top 10. Let's start off at number 10, and that is the Cleveland Browns. And they could go higher as the year goes along. They have one of the best rosters in fall. I think Baker Mayfield is a good quarterback. I don't think he's elite like we possibly thought two years ago. But I think within, you know, a good system, he could be a damn good quarterback. And that's what you're seeing. They have so many weapons with him, Odell, Jarvis, Nick Chubb out for a little bit. We'll see maybe like eight to nine weeks. That was the time frame for his injury. But they have Kareem Hunt, so that signing looks really good right now. Defense, they have a lot of playmakers on defense. It's just a really good roster. And I think Stefanski is the coach who can get them to the next level. And the good thing with the Cleveland Browns is that you look at last year with Freddie Kitchens taking over, Baker had a good rookie, and they signed Odell. It was just hype, 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 hype. But this year was a little a little more quiet. And I think that's going to pay you know dividends for them because you know a lot of hype for a team like that who's never really accomplished anything, they might not be able to handle it. You have a really good coach, in my opinion, a really good ground game. I think Baker knows his place now. This is going to be a good football team moving forward. In a tough division, though, I see them being a playoff team, but I don't see them winning this division, but I like the Cleveland Browns going forward. And number nine, Tampa Bay. I was very high on Tampa Bay. 
you know, a couple weeks ago. And I think they still will hit stride. I mean, just remember, Brady it hasn't been long. He was with one team for 20 years. It's going to take time. I think the offensive line is their biggest weakness. It really is. And, and for a guy like Tom Brady who can't, you know, make plays on the fly anymore at 43, you're going to have to have a strong O-line moving forward. I don't think their run game's great because of that O-line. So that's why I'm not as high on them anymore. But like I said, I think they will get better, and only time will tell. I think the defense is really good. But right now, Tampa at number nine. and number eight, you know, look, this is our hometown team. People have kind of crapped on them for the past couple of weeks. But they get back on stride. They beat Detroit, which they should have. And, you know, it, it didn't look good when you're down 14 nothing on the road. And I say on the road. I don't know if it really matters when you have no fans. But they come storming back, and you see what Drew Brees can do when they play within the framework of their offense. And Sean Payton is a, a brilliant offensive mind. So is Drew Brees. They're going to find something that can work offensively, you know, without Michael Thomas and without the arm strength that Drew Brees used to have. They're going to, they're going to make it work. Alvin Kamara is playing at a high level. He really is. And you're starting to see Traquan Smith emerge. I saw Emmanuel Sanders emerge. Jared Cook is a top five tight end, in my opinion. Defense is shaky at times, but they will come around. Don't sleep on the Saints. This is still a really good roster. My question mark going forward is still going to be, what can Drew Brees give you late in the year? You're going to see uh, Sundays like you just saw where Drew Brees is a fifth. But what can he do late in the year? And that has always been my thing. When you look at last year's Minnesota loss, when they lose to the Rams in the NFC Championship, it, I believe Drew Brees was not playing his top football. And I think it's because of age and lack of arm strength and being able to take the top off of the defense or at least have that threat. But I still like the Saints. People are sleeping on them. It's a really well-coached football team with a really good roster. Saints in number eight. And number seven, Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, it's tough with Pittsburgh because I don't think they played a lot of good football teams. But it seems like Ben Roethlisberger, you know, is still got it. You know, that was a question mark with that Tommy John surgery. You know, what does he have left? Looks like he got in pretty deep in the offseason, and he's still Ben Roethlisberger. He looks good. They do a really good job um, just with personnel and their receiving core. Chase Claypool out of Notre Dame is a guy I saw playing college. I didn't think much of, but now he's becoming this, you know, emerging star for them. You know, so that's another positive along with Juju Smith-Schuster, you know, Connor in the backfield, Benny Snell, the Kentucky running back. They have a really good defense. And, you know, I really like Mike Tomlin. He's a rock-solid coach. I don't see them going to a Super Bowl or anything, but I just think the Pittsburgh Steelers, as usual, are a rock-solid football team. At six, L.A. Rams. I keep saying it. People kind of slept on Sean McVay and how good of a football coach he was, and people kind of crap on Jared Goff. Together, they form a good duo, and they are effective offense. I think defensively, they're not great, but they have, you know, enough playmakers. Aaron Donald's the best defensive player We've seen him maybe uh, several decades, maybe ever. I mean, he's just that damn good. Jalen Ramsey, one of the best corners in the league. You know, after that, it's a little bleak, but really, really well-coached football team, and that's what I like in NFL, and I have the Rams at number six. At number five, people might think you have them higher, but I don't because I watch them on Sundays, and I watch them you know, squeak by every game <laughs> they play doesn't matter who they play. It's going to come down to the wire, and that is the Seattle Seahawks. I'm not a huge Pete Carroll fan. I'm a huge Russell Wilson fan. I mean, he has been amazing this year. He really has. I mean, he is making plays on the fly, and he is winning these football games. When you look at the other night, him, you know, game-winning touchdown pass to DK Metcalf, who's another guy who's emerging as a superstar in the league. Absolute freak show. I don't think their defense is great. 
I don't think that personnel is great when you look outside of Russell Wilson and Metcalf. I don't. I don't think it's anything special. But he is so good and so dynamic that they can, they're probably going to win that division. But there is a ceiling with the Seahawks. I don't think they could beat Green Bay this year. I don't think their roster is good enough. You know, even if the Saints played them, Tampa, I would still like those football teams better. And especially when you look going forward in the playoffs, there isn't going to be a home field advantage because of no fans. That was their biggest thing, right? The 12th man. It was tough to play in Seattle. That would be a huge added bonus. They don't have that this year. So going forward, I would struggle to see them as a Super Bowl team. I have Seattle at five. At number four, the Buffalo Bills. Strange, huh? You wouldn't think the Buffalo Bills, fourth best team in football. It could go a lot of ways with that fourth spot. It really could. You could kind of maneuver all of them. But right now, Josh Allen is playing extremely well. I keep saying, how will he play down the stretch in, in you know, crunch time? I've seen him last year. It wasn't pretty. But uh, he's a, he's immensely talented. He really is an absolute freak athlete, 6'7". He can make all the plays. I like their roster. It's not superstars all over the place, but it's a really good roster. It looks like Stephon Diggs was a, you know, a huge added bonus to their roster when they made that trade. Defense is solid, good coaching staff, just a rock-solid team right there. Buffalo at number four. At number three, Baltimore Ravens. You know, I knew they lost on Monday night, and moving forward, can they beat Kansas City? Can they overtake them? I don't know. That's a, it's a huge question mark for me. But they're just a really good football team, and you know what you're going to see game in and game out. And besides Kansas City, what team would you say, well, they just cannot beat them? They would be favored in every other game. They're just that good. And, you know, within the framework of what they're trying to do, and they do it often. They do a good job. Their roster's really good. And whenever they play within the framework of that system, get a lead, run the ball, control the game, good defense, they win. And they do that often. So I have Baltimore at three. At number two, Green Bay. Rodgers playing at, you know, peak Rodgers right now. Looks like, you know, LaFleur and him are on the same age. And it looks to be, you know, he's winning the divorce with Mike McCarthy because the Cowboys are not looking very good. And, you know, him and LaFleur are flourishing. And Aaron Jones at running back, probably one of the better backs he's had in a long time. If they can get healthy on the outside with Devontae Adams, they'll look really strong. Good defense. This is a rock-solid team, and I think, you know, Rodgers, even though personality-wise I wouldn't be a huge fan of him and, you know, the type of, type of guy he is, but he he's on a revenge tour right here, and he looks really, really strong this year after they drafted Jordan Love, who is not even the backup quarterback. It almost seems like they made a terrible draft pick right there, but if it makes – if it lights a fire into Aaron Rodgers, you know, then maybe it was a good pick for them. But right now, Green Bay at number two. And at number one, Kansas City. Now, I know I knew they lost to the Las Vegas Raiders on Sunday. But I'm not overreactive. I'm not like the old school college football guy. Okay, well, they lost. They won. So move this team up. Move this team down. No, it, it's okay. If you look last year at what happened to Kansas City, Kansas City is an extremely well-coached team. And I could argue Andy Reid next to Bill Belichick is the best coach in football. They didn't start out very hot last year. I mean, there were games they lost. There were games they should have lost. They didn't look very strong. But what happened late? Late in the year, they caught fire, and their offense was unstoppable, and their defense made enough plays to win football games. And so that's what I'm going to see moving forward. They're going to be fine. And watch them late in the year how good they're going to be. They are going to be really good. Mahomes is a great quarterback. They have all the weapons they need. 
you know, even with Clyde, that's an added bonus there. Defense is going to be fine. It's a really good football team. And I don't overreact to one loss. I just don't. I know what to expect. They're not just going to completely fall fall on their face because they lost the game. They have the best coach, one of the best coaches in football, the best quarterback we've seen in football in a long time, and all the weapons to go with it. Kansas City at number one.